0: Hey, everybody, welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith, and I am joined today by a special guest on the Weekend Warm-Up Podcast, a voice you know quite well, Tom Adams. Tom, it's great to have you back on. It's been a long time since the two of us synced up and uh, uh, way too long, if you ask me. So I'm glad to have you back.
1: Dude, it feels like it's been like freaking eons. I would have I used know. a different word there, but I don't <laughs> want to, you know, have to slap the explicit language banner on our podcast. But like, holy <laughs> crap, like it feels like it's been forever, especially in this COVID world where time just seems to like shapeshift constantly. <laughs> Sometimes five days go by super quick. Sometimes they stretch on for what seems like forever. Uh, But yeah, like, I'm glad to be able to link up with you. I know your life has been pretty damn crazy as of late in the run into the holiday season here, which we're almost at the tail end of. And, you know, you get you get all my sympathy, all my empathy for being, (laughs) you know, Mr. Managing Editor, uh, podcast host and uh, hashtag super dad over there.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of funny because this is supposed to be like a relaxing time for me, but it has been anything but relaxing (laughs) at this point. Just about everything that could go wrong has has gone wrong for me. So uh, it's just, uh, it's one of those things, Tom. I'm going to survive this holiday season and uh, it'll probably be, I'll probably be helped in that survival by a lot of alcohol, especially over the next couple of days. So let's just get right to it. Obviously, Tom, all of the podcasts we have in our network here, we've talked about the Hinrunda to death. And I think that you would agree that like it was a very successful, Hinrunda for Bayern Munich, uh, Julian Nagelsmann came in and did a fantastic job. I don't want to carry on too much about it, but if you could just quickly give me your thoughts on how you think things went and where you see this team heading into the Rook and how you think that they'll be able to perform there.
1: Yeah, there, especially with Julian Nagelsmann in particular, I know even amongst our own site and podcast, there's some varying, contrasting opinions on how Nagelsmann has done. And I have to say, personally, for me, I think he's – met and and slightly exceeded expectations with the amount of injuries we had you know we're still cycling back and and fighting ways back from all the guys that were at the european championships the internationals having just finished a crazy congested schedule because of making up all this time from the outbreak of covid uh in 2020 i really thought that there was uh all the hallmarks all the writing was on the wall for a lot of things to go bad with the lack of personnel at the beginning of the season. Uh, but if you really fast forward to now, take everything into consideration, the Joshua Kimmich drama, how, how much we've missed him, uh, injuries to Goretzka, injuries to Niklas Zula, his future is still up in the air, injuries to Kingsley Coman. Just everybody seems to have been banged up. Pavard wasn't ready in the beginning of the season. He had an injury. Uh, Josip Stanisic, who I, I think I just tweeted about the other day. I, was, I think it's gone a little bit underappreciated how oh, for well sure. he stood firm in the beginning of the season because i remember even being like oh god like here's a name not as familiar with uh like this this is going to be bad and i thought he did quite well um he yeah, did I, I and he... He,
0: he really is a success story if you think about it because how many youngsters have even come through the academy and have been able to make this level and i mean i'm talking about youngsters that have spent a significant amount of time on campus. I mean, Jamal Musiala was there for what? A matter of months, really, before he kind of graduated to the first team. But Stanisic is really a success story that the club can point to, showing that you can actually make it because there aren't many good examples of players lately who have have really made that journey through the academy to the first team.
1: Yeah, and if you – a lot of it, too, Chuck, was out of necessity. I remember I was double-checking a few little uh, semantics, you know, factoids, Yesterday, at the time of recording now, it was yesterday I was asking you on Slack. I'm like, hey, like, refresh my memory. What was the situation with uh, Martin Demi Kalis, Danny Schwartz? You know, why did he um, go off and do his own thing? And you hit me with the details and it just clicked in my mind. I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, after we started training after the two month break from COVID, like Hansi Flick out of necessity, he called up a bunch of guys. Right. And like that's you want to talk about uh, youth players and reserve players being integrated with the senior team. It's like even then, some of them were noticed almost like not by accident, but by happenstance, like had the pandemic never have happened and we were on the normal schedule. Like we there would might be not... no Joseph status. <laughs> Seriously, man, like we might not have gotten that look, but like we were the walking wounded. Uh, we were dealing with everything at the time. Lewandowski was just coming back from that knee capsule injury that he suffered against Chelsea that season. So, like all those moving parts, I think we can just kind of ha- have to sit back and say, you know, that was the silver lining among other things. Obviously, winning the treble right. is, is <laughs> another uh, silver lining and getting Lewandowski back, when we did. But even still, yeah, just to to kind of tie that thought together with all the things that we've had to take into consideration, I think it's been a good season. There's been those rare blemishes, obviously the five nil at. Mentioning Gladbach in the day of April, call getting knocked out early uh, once again is definitely not what uh, Oliver Kahn, our front office, and Julian Nagelsmann had in mind. But you know those matches happen, and the susceptibility for those ma- types of matches, those uh, those doozies to happen in a season that's so congested, still, uh, you know that that's that, that susceptibility is always going to be there. And you know that egg got cracked, and you know what we responded well. I remember like tweeting several times. It's like, we just always seem to do very well responding to a loss and especially like an embarrassing or a shocking loss that nobody expected. And we did just that. And what is it? uh, Nine points ahead uh, during the winter pause of Bercia Dortmund. That's another story. I think some of our rivals have just completely floundered and that's definitely played into our hand, but we we've took care of taking care of business, excuse me on the business end of the season. Um, And I think that's why we are, where we are uh, slightly combined with you know Dortmund floundering, uh, Leipzig just not getting it right with Jesse Marsh and and completely floundering, and now we've got some surprise teams up there. You know SC Freiburg up in the top four, Bayer Leverkusen are, are hanging around, knocking at the door. Patrick Schick knocking at the door of Lewandowski yeah. <laughs> in the Torjägerkanon race. But yeah, Chuck, I'd have to say I'm I'm very happy. I'm very much. Uh, the optimist, whereas some listeners they might say, uh, "I need no name," is a little bit of the opposite. <laughs> but we do need that balance here at BFW. I mean, you have to you have to call out the weak points where they are, and you know highlight the negativity when it needs when it needs to be. But yeah, I, I don't know if you agree with me, Chuck, but I'm I'm very happy with where we are. Very pleased with Julian Nagelsmann and everything he's dealt with, and you know how he's progressed. And I'm very much looking forward to the Rook Rinda, uh starting just one week's time.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I, you know, I even wrote about it this week. I, I don't think that Bayern Munich is in a position to where they need to do anything with the squad, and that's something we'll touch on in a second here. I think that right now the way that Nagelsmann has them playing and the way he's using his personnel, he has pushed all the right buttons, and he's got them in a position to where that they can only achieve success at this point if they. Stay healthy. And I think that the players have responded to his tactics. They've responded to his player management style. And with all that combined, he's just done a fantastic job. And while well, if you put a gun to my head, I would still probably pick Hansi Flick, as we saw in our roundtable on the site this week. Uh, I'd still go with Flick as my guy. I, I have no complaints with Nogglesman. I mean, yeah, there's some things that we might look at tactically and disagree with, but. I mean, the results are what they are, and he's been pretty fantastic. So uh, I, I'm a fan. I like what I'm seeing, and hopefully they can continue this run of success throughout the Rook Ronda. And one thing you said, Tom, that I, I really agree with, with Borussia Dortmund and Arbe Leipzig really just not playing up to their capabilities, uh, it's been really nice to see like SC Freiburg and Christian Streich come up and and play so well. And really, you know, put some pressure on these bigger clubs. Uh, It's been really great to see that. I mean, if I had to root for another Bundesliga team, uh, you'd be hard-pressed to find another one better to root for than Freiburg. So I I enjoy the success they're having. Uh, I hope they can keep it just like Bayern Munich in the Rook Ronda. But that will be one of the fun subplots to watch for sure.
1: Oh, 100%. And I I have to say, I'm pretty sure I saw somewhere strike was coming up on... 10 years to the date, I think something like that, mm-hmm. since he's taken charge of Freiburg and the, uh, man, the highlight clips they have of that guy, you know, <laughs> if you're you a fan of Jurgen, Jurgen Klopp and Julian Nagelsmann and, you know, that kind of, uh, you know, mannerisms, those kind of mannerisms, so to speak, wearing your heart on your sleeve strike is definitely someone, uh, that you can find many, many clips up if you haven't already. And obviously I just <laughs> always remember, uh, was it Eintracht Frankfurt? The, someone knocked him down. <laughs>
0: the the slow mo version of that video. Yeah. I'm
1: only laughing about it because I know he's completely okay. He yeah. Hurt. Um, the slow motion angles of that were just absolutely priceless. Absolutely so, priceless, priceless. So,
0: quick story. Uh, as you know, Tom, I I had written for a newspaper for a very long time, just as a contract worker. And one of the things I, I do is I'll cover high school American football games. So. Uh, typically, I'm either in a press box or down the sideline. But I want to say about 23 or 24 years ago, I was down on the sideline. And uh, I was pretty good at staying out of the way of any collisions or any tackles that spill out of bounds. Like, I was still pretty nimble back in the day. So I could either jump over any bodies flying or juke out of the way or throw a kid in front of me that was on the sideline. Anything to <laughs> not get taken out. But one day, I was in a position And I was in a spot where I just couldn't move. And when those bodies flew out of bounds on the sideline, my legs went out and they just took me down. And it was one of those things where like, I'm sure to the people that were in the stands, they were like, Oh my God, that guy just got taken out. But it was, it was so funny. I was laughing as I like slammed into the ground because I could see it all coming toward me and there was nowhere to go. I was surrounded because I was in sideline by players and nobody could move. We were right near the chain box, and it was hilarious. But that's still to this day the only time I've ever gotten taken out on the sideline. So,
1: and I'm um, sure with your age too, this is just well before the dawn of slow motion it, cameras it, oh, and if, video. If there was video of that, I would pay good money to have it for sure. <laughs> so, I would too. Just and I would I would promote a campaign as aggressively as we promote the Niko Kovac ninety nine Luftballons balloons yeah. tape <laughs> from the, uh, the the club the fan club visits a few seasons back
0: absolutely if we still that is still my life submission Tom if we do not get that tape, i'll be disappointed and I will die unfulfilled <laughs> that's for sure so Tom, one of the things that has i mean this week has been filled with so much nonsense, so many rumors there has not been a lot of team news, uh, obviously with the boys all at home, all probably packing on a few LBs from eating too much. Um, (laughs) You know, they're probably enjoying life a little bit before they hit back on campus on January 2nd to get things kicked off. But the, almost the entirety of the news that's come out aside of Robert Lewandowski and his trip to Dubai and his, the award ceremony for the globe soccer awards, um, you know, Lewandowski generated quite a bit of content, for all websites with that, some of his quotes and just the overall ceremony. But the big thing has been transfer rumors, and it has been insane where we're seeing names that we had never seen previously attached to Bayern Munich all of a sudden showing up. So I wanted to take this time and bounce some of these names off of you. Now, I'll go on record first as saying I don't think Bayern Munich needs to add anybody. I think that they're perfectly set up how they are. I think they've got great depth. I think Julian Nagelsmann knows that he does not want too big of a team and he might be teetering on the edge of that right now, given how many good players he has who aren't seeing regular playing time. So I don't think they need anybody, but we'll take a look at some of these names and I just want your thoughts on what you feel about some of them. And the biggest one, Tom, that we've seen, Leeds United winger Rafinha, who, listen, I don't watch too much Leeds. I know what People like you have told me, I know what I've read and I understand he's a very talented player. I get all that. The price tag of 50 million euros, uh, not so much. And I don't think they need another wing, but Tom, you watch a ton of English football. So tell me, what do you think
1: about Rafinha? I do. I do. And as much as I am a huge fan of his, I do agree that this kind of came out of nowhere. And especially at a time when you know, most of the headlines sur- surrounding the narratives for buying transfers are revolving around, you know, uh, the board is saying we never we, we don't plan on go making a move for Erling Holland at any point. Uh, then they'll flip flop and say there's a shred of you know possibility that that might happen. Uh, are we going to extend Lewandowski for another two seasons? Uh, so much just revolves around those two. And this one just seems to like pop out of nowhere after our front office had remained pretty adamant that there really wasn't going to be any incoming business at least during the winter transfer business I know we might get to some outgoing transfer business uh, just a few moments I think most Bayern fans know by this point that there is going to be some outgoing business uh, on our end but I think he's a fantastic player you know bleeds have been very unfortunately with COVID outbreaks and injuries I think you know in their 4-1 loss to Arsenal recently they had to field a 15-year-old which is Pretty ridiculous. I think he wasn't ridiculous. even someone who regularly starts on, on the reserves or uh, one of the youth teams, if I recall correctly. But Rafinha is an all-around fantastic winger. And I think uh, coming to a league like the Bundesliga and a team like Bayern, if that were ever to be a realistic possibility, what I like about him so much is his ability to play on either flank as a left footer. He's very good at um, taking people on, winning free kicks, uh, the quick change of directions. I guess, kind of like a combination of uh, someone like Kingsley come on and I'll even uh, dash out a former Brazilian name of Bayern Munich and Philippe Coutinho, since he is Brazilian himself. Um, I know that Coutinho had a very short lived stay here, but kind of those similar movements where it's those quick changes of directions and tight spaces, uh, you know, a a big guy like me who takes longer strides like. Steven Gerrard-esque not to say I'm ever <laughs> anywhere near him uh, but that's lofty not necessarily... comparison there Tom <laughs> <laughs> well to just to make my point it's like the player like me i like there's players that are just not good in those tight spaces they can't unlock situations like Musiala would be a great example of someone uh similar who's able to unlock you know dangerous situations from tight spaces where you think all is lost when he's getting yeah, he, he's down.
0: incredible at that it's it's unreal
1: yeah. And I think Rafinha is very much that same type of player. Very, very pacey as well. Does have an injury history with that hamstring, uh, as I know, as a longtime fantasy owner of his, but, <laughs> but I I've said this for two. I seasons, knew there was Chuck. a tie
0: in. I knew there was a reason <laughs> yeah. you liked him.
1: <laughs> uh, he is, he is class, man. He, he usually almost always gets an attack in return. And like Eve, you can assure, I think even a few weeks back, uh, it was Chelsea. He scored a penalty. He's on penalties because Bamford's been hurt. So, um, and Rodrigo, I think, has been hurt as well. So uh, you can always guarantee if Leeds score, he's probably going to be involved. There's a very, very highly high uh, likelihood that he's going to be involved in the scoring for Leeds. And uh, I, I've said this for two seasons, Chuck. Now I think he deserves to be playing on a better team, whether that's in the Premier League uh, or somewhere else. I don't know, but yeah, the price tag is definitely the point of concern for Bayern. Do I think, in the overall landscape of the transfer market for the Premier League? as it pertains to other leagues, he is worth that much. Uh, I, I do. But that, that being said, worth that much for a club who is in need of a player like that. Right, I, I think right. that we can all say that with Leroy Sané 2.0, so to speak on that left flank uh, Kingsley Coman is having a bit of a resurgence. In my opinion, this season, I think he's been quite yeah, strong. You know, I think he's been in great. The second too. Half. Serge Gnabry uh, uh, to me is kind of hot and cold, but he's just too hot when he's, when he's hot. Like I, I, especially because he can even play on the left. If Sane gets subbed off or is being rested, he can play on the right uh, as well. He doesn't seem to have as many issues transitioning from either side. He's just way too good of a player. There's no reason why Byron should be looking to supplant him. But as much as I like Rafinha's class, you just, you always have to uh, equate it to the relativity and like the feasibility uh, at Byron. And it just doesn't seem like that's the case unless something pops out of thin air and, you know, uh, come on his, entourage, pull a fast one. And he wants to get out of here because don't forget, Chuck, this is that is pretty much why he temporarily hired. Uh, was it Zahavi or? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, he he wanted to go to the Premier League. His father was adamant that he wanted Komand to go to a Premier League side. And when Zahavi didn't make that happen, he said, all right, you're yeah, gone. You
0: know, it's so funny with come My theory with him is he doesn't want to leave Bayern Munich, that he likes being there. He likes I, I think he's just comfortable there. But I think his entourage really is pushing him to go for the biggest payout. And this is where it becomes very difficult for a player who's represented by his family and a family friend. Uh, You know, what the player wants is not necessarily going to line up to what the family wants. And we've seen it so many times, whether it's with football or you could go to America and you could see it in baseball or basketball or hockey, where you see when families are involved. It often does not end well. And I think for Coman, he's never given any indication that he's unhappy that he doesn't like Bayern Munich, or even that he really wants to leave. A lot of the statements we hear from him are pretty vague. You know, well, I'm thinking about a future in the premier league or something of that nature, but we never hear him outright say he wants to leave. So I think this is a lot of, I think it's a lot of nonsense from his camp to be honest, but we'll see, you know, how he reacts to it. Cause I don't know. It's it's very difficult to say no to your family, and he may be in that position. So we'll see what happens with him. And like you talked about with Rafinha, he has so many good qualities, Tom. But uh, I just don't see the need. And I would say the same thing about uh, Anthony from Ajax because he's been another name that's been linked to Bayern Munich. But again, he's a winger. He has a lot of the same qualities as the current players on the roster, which would make him a pretty seamless fit. But does Bayern Munich really need to go out and spend any money for another wing? And I think you and I both agree that at this point, it's just not worth it. But one position where some people might feel like uh, Bayern Munich needs to spend some money is at right back. And Tom, you and I haven't even discussed this name before, but uh, Sergino Dest is obviously one of the biggest names on the market right now. The latest rumors say that that Xavi wants to bring him back to Barcelona and get him right and get him back on the right track. But we're still seeing reports pop up out of Spain saying that Bayern Munich is still interested in Dest. Um, Dest is one of a couple of defenders that Bayern Munich is looking at. Another one being the FC Dallas defender, Justin Shea, who has done some training at Bayern Munich, but now is rumored to be looking at teams, not only in the Bundesliga, but also in the Premier League. So, at right back, Bayern obviously has Benjamin Pavar and Josip Stanisic, who I think have both been pretty good. And I know Pavar is, is a player that a lot of people are split down the middle on. I, I'm on team Pavar. I don't think he needs to be this offensively great right back. I think he's playing the role that Nagelsmann wants him to play pretty well right now. But when you see Dest, Tom, do you think that's another acquisition that would be worth it for Bayern Munich? Or do you think that's just piling on talent that could be a headache down the road?
1: For what it's worth, with the everything that's happened in the past 14 months, uh, I think most people remember that he was heavily linked with us. Was it this past summer or the summer before? Uh, I, I think it was now. this
0: it was summer before. Yeah,
1: it was when uh, when
0: Flick was still around because I think Flick was rumored to like Dest, but who knows if right. that was true or not.
1: Um, uh, along with Norwich City's Max Aaron's. those right. were like the two big uh, defensive targets that Byron was after and he ultimately said you know he came out and said he always had his heart set on barcelona you know this was before their well it, their financial collapse may have very well <laughs> have been unfolding at the time but right. it wasn't publicly known he didn't how help. bad <laughs> how bad the situation was and yeah. you know bayern was another club it was pretty much between bayern or barcelona when it came down to it and he chose barcelona so for what it's worth capitalizing on the situation, sitting back and assessing everything that's gone on, we very well might be able to get him at a premium based on everything that's happened because Barcelona are in a situation where even I was left scratching my head when they announced the acquisition of Ferran Torres from <laughs> Manchester City. I'm like, how is this club spending any money right now? Right. Right. I mean, they're in such dire straits, but now we see they're looking to offload uh, potentially guys like Dest, Ousmane uh, Dembele, who said he's Coutinho. not going to renew his contract. <laughs> Coutinho, I feel terrible for the guy. Uh, should, I should have just listened to Klopp. He said, you stay <laughs> here. They're probably going to build a statue after you one day. You go somewhere else or just be another player. And, you know, look at what's happened. Liverpool has a Premier League winner's medal and he a Champions League winner's medal. <clears throat> not going to take my own <laughs> arm too much there. But, you know, I, I think that situation pretty much describes itself. And Coutinho is a fantastic player. And, you know, I hope he lands on his feet somewhere. But But, Chuck, with all that considered, you know, if we're able to get him for cheaper than he was being touted for back two summers ago, that's not a move I'm not willing to make. That's something that's definitely going to interest me, and I'm sure Hasan Salihamidic will be looking at that, too. Uh, And, Chuck, you're also forgetting a little bit of an elephant in the room. And, no, that's not a fat joke, (laughs) even though we've had uh, hashtag fat Zula uh, in the news before. But, Chuck he's been a, a pretty damn good right back when he's had to feature. there. So, yeah. so I would say that a lot of this also hinges on his future because he seems to be the one that's that the clock is ticking um, at its tightest. I don't even, I was just trying to make a phrase, <laughs> but he' has the shortest clock left on his contract. It's ticking. We still don't know what the hell is going on. We hear different rumors about it every other week. So many of us, I mean, you'd be hard pressed in my opinion, to find Bayern fans that are in the camp of yes, just let him go sell. Yeah. It, and, and uh, you know, move on from it. But I mean, I desperately want Bayern to hold on to Nicolas Sula, especially for part of the reason, uh, as I just explained, is how well he's played at right back when he's had to play there. when both uh, Benjamin Pavard and Yosem Stanisic are not available. Like he's almost shown that he's a better right back this season. He, than He's yeah. a center back. And, you know, with how well uh, Luca Hernandez and Daya Upamakano are doing, I mean, you know, why not always just use that as a realistic possibility? And I know Nagelsmann knows that, you know, he's, you don't have to tell him that. But so a lot of a lot of the the dest uh, decision making would depend on that for me, Chuck. But like, I, I just don't know at this point what is going to happen with Nicolas Zula.
0: Yeah. And, and another trump card in the whole situation is, you know, with Nagelsmann's for Nagelsmann's formation, like right now, it's it's considered a four, two, three, one. But in reality, I mean Benjamin Pavar, if he's at right back, functions more like a center back than he does a right back. And if Bayern were to acquire Sergenio Dest, would that allow Bayern Munich to just go straight to the back three if they can retain Sula, or they could move Pavar to formally as a center back and, and use Dest as a right wing back? It does give them options, so I could see Bayern looking at that and thinking about it. And if if you know, Brazo is really consulting with Nagelsmann. And this is a plan that they have to eventually transition to a different formation. I think it's a move they should definitely look at, but if there's no plan for that, I'm standing pat. (laughs) That's where I'm at. And I did want to bounce one other defender's name off of you. Obviously we talked a little bit about Justin Shea, but I don't think that that's a realistic possibility for him. Like why, if you're a young player, why would you come into a loaded backline situation? I mean, Byron has two pretty damn good defenders out on loan right now, and Chris Richards and Lars Lukas-Mai. So I, I wouldn't make that move if I was Justin Shea. But uh, we've also seen Matthias Ginter connected to Bayern Munich. And, you know, we've heard the rumors Brazo doesn't necessarily like him, but generally everyone else at Bayern Munich does. Uh, that would be interesting mostly because he's a free transfer. And if Nicholas Sula does leave, that would give Byron, again, some options, a flexible player along the back line. Would you have any interest in him as a free transfer, Tom?
1: Oh, 100%. And I was just going to say right at the end there, You kind of took the words right out of my mouth. All you really need to say is free transfer <laughs> and potential <laughs> of Niklas Zula leaving, right? Like, why not have an experienced uh, Bundesliga player, you know, kind of replace uh, Niklas Zula if he does go And You know, this is a, a great auxiliary option too. You know, we're talking about all these lineups as if, you know, every I mean, with the uh, I say the word ego, but you do have to have a bit of an ego and confidence in yourself as a footballer mm-hmm. comes with the territory. But, you know, it's it's not as if these guys realistically think that every single match of every competition, they're going to be in the starting eleven, Right. Especially now, like the post COVID or post outbreak of COVID world where all these matches are so congested uh, across all comp- competitions. Right. You, you can't, I mean, that's only, that argument can only go so far, like, oh, well, if we bring in X player, then Y might not start every game, and X might not start every game, why would they agree to that? I think that there's a little bit of realism, especially with someone who's in Ginter's position, right, leaving on a free transfer, uh, a little bit of an older guy, been in the Bundesliga for quite some time, he's experienced, he knows it, he knows he'd be joining Bayern Munich, he probably would know going into it that he's not going to be the bona fide starter, but... Uh, from a squad planning perspective, having an auxiliary guy like that to have, to to fill in and to step in and to rotate in would be absolutely fantastic in my opinion. And I think I think he's a professional that would 100% understand that. And if that's something that he's willing to do, um, I, think it, I think it could definitely work. And I see him, I don't know what it is, but I just see him working very, very well uh, under Julian Nagelsmann. But so much of this uh, pendulum revolves around Nick Lasua, doesn't yeah.
0: it? Yeah, and it's funny, like when you talk about inter being able to handle that situation i guess it could go one of two ways you go the Ivan parisic way who took a step back at Bayern munich was basically a reserve even though he was still a starting quality player and had a fantastic season any every time that he was on it seemed like he was making contributions the other side of that is marcel sabitzer who has not handled this situation well at all He's a player who doesn't look like he can be anything but the alpha.
1: Yeah. And that's Which was even more surprising because of the continuity. Yeah. Of the experience with Nagelsmann at RB Leipzig.
0: Yeah. He looks like a completely different player in it. And to me, the move for Sabitzer isn't working out. that's, that's something I specifically am going to keep an eye on the second half because I think he's a fantastic player. I just don't think he can play at Bayern Munich.
1: Well, now. And that's the other thing, Chuck. Right. So the honeymoon period for sabitzer even though we got him for a great rate is still going to be a little bit shorter from the price tag than it would be for a free transfer would you not agree so that's sort yeah. of the luxury uh from our point of view is like i mean would a low weight not not completely conflated in high wages free transfer okay if it doesn't work out in the first three months like what what are we really losing right
0: yeah yeah i definitely see the point and While we're talking about the midfield, Tom, the other name that's kind of, this might be, aside of Ginter, probably the biggest name that Bayern Munich has been connected to is Dennis Zakaria from Borussia Mönchengladbach. Zakaria is a good player. He's, I think, defensively a very solid midfielder. But I, again, I can't wrap my brain around why any midfielder in the world would want to come to Bayern Munich when they have Joshua Kimmich, when they have Leon Goretzka, when they have even an out-of-form Marcel Savitzer. And that's not even touching on Quarantan Taliso or Mark Roca. I mean, like I just don't – I can't put my brain around why Zakaria would even consider it. And maybe he's not. But the bottom line is Bayern, at least what it, to what has been reported, has put an in inquiry to him about him coming to Bayern Munich.
1: Well, I, I think he's a class player as well, and it's funny. He's one of those guys that ironically just always turns it up against Bayern like pretty much like 90% of Mitch and for whatever reason they just play like gods against Bayern (laughs) Munich and then flounder uh, for consecutive matches afterward in the Bundesliga and slide down the table Uh, but you know here's another thing to look at too it's like how much of this is you know the the player agreeing to come uh, to a club where they're going to have walls up in the form of players like Leon Goretzka or Joshua Kimmich. And how much is this of this is, you know, it, even still, right? Like you hear coaches say like the crest, the badge on the front of the shirt is a thousand times more important than the name on the back. Right. Well, it, I know it's, it's funny. It's great people will say, in theory, but <laughs> people, people, <laughs> the people application will say, is tough. Be, no, I'm just going to say people will say, but Tom, it says FC Bayern yeah. München on the back as well. But I, I mean the number and the name. Right. Uh, is what I mean by that. I, I didn't really think that through when I was starting that, but I, I got the seven I minutes. Mean, it's okay, the, <laughs> that six and that pivot. I mean, it's not guaranteed for Kimmich and Goretzka. Like if, like if so let's say Zakaria were to come in and he's putting in you know better performances I, and I training, couldn't, you know, I couldn't
0: even see those two being supplanted. I couldn't say it. I can't. Well, it's it's.
1: Uh, I guess the point I'm getting at is a uh, squad incentive. Do yeah. you want? Like, are we really appreciative that Mikel Cuisance has been, you know, training with these guys and, and challenging these guys? Or would we rather have someone like Zakaria in there, you know, cracking heads and, and sliding in and, you know, making challenging a bit more difficult for these guys. And also, Chuck, you didn't mention uh, Taliso, who's more than likely going to be on his way out, at least by this summer, unless something changes uh, on, on that standpoint. from what Yeah, I he, hear. everything I'm as reading, good is so. gone, I think. I mean, you can't. And it's like, as we saw, Granted, you know, uh, not playing because of not being vaccinated probably won't be an issue for Kimmich next season. Uh, You can't guarantee he's going to be available for every single match, for every single competition for 90 minutes. You were even the one calling for. uh, Oh, I want him rested. Absolutely. Pumping the brakes. I don't know if it was you. Maybe it's. Yeah, it was was me. You said uh, you say, hey, Kimmich, don't get the shot and you'll get some rest. And that maybe that's what he did. Uh, <laughs> well, we'll, start, a, we'll start vaccine game at FDFW. <laughs> but ironically enough, he did wind up getting this massive rest. Well,
0: you know, it, it's funny because that's why, like, I want Kimmich to rest. I want Goretzka to rest because I think Goretzka is injury prone at this point. Like, I, I just think he, he, he tallies so many little injuries. Like, I get why they need a third quality midfielder there. I, and I understand that. That's what I thought Sabitzer was for. But he clearly is not, able to handle this role at least right now he's proven to me anyway that while he's a great player he's not a great player that can handle taking a back seat to anybody and i, I mean you know, i worry opinion,
1: i think if you keep if Kimmick is still there at the six the rest of those guys can be kind of interchangeable but i do agree with you if it's not Kimmick at that six the other guys seem to fall short oh as totally it, yeah as i mean he's been discussing
0: he is the engine in everything. So I, I get how vital he is. I just don't, again, my whole brain, I think always think from the player's perspective, like if I'm Zicaria, I look at Kimmich and I'm like, all right, German national team, everyone loves him. Even the anti-vaxxers and the vaxxers. love. Him. <laughs> <laughs> they all love his stance at one point or another, but everybody likes the guy. There's not an ex club executive in the world. that doesn't drool over the thought of having Kimmich. So I don't know why anybody would want to compete with that. Even if you, every, like you said, Tom, every athlete has this ego, right? Where they think they are the best, that they can walk in and just take a spot, but that's not happening. It's just not for so many players. So, I mean, with Zakaria, we'll see what happens. I don't think that's a realistic play just because of that, because I think he's too good. Just like I said about Sabitzer, I think he's too good to take a back seat. And I think if Zakaria wants to look at anything, he can just look at Sabitzer and say, All right, well, he's getting irregular playing time. He hasn't adjusted well. Why would I want to go join that mix? So, I mean, that's just my opinion. The the last, go ahead. I was
1: going to say, I was just going to say too, real quick, like, not that it really matters for this particular situation. I think it's a different situation when it's uh, guys that would cost a considerable transfer fee. But I was just, I was discussing with someone uh, at work. I was like, I wonder how much these front offices are like planning for, um, you know like do they do they try to look at their budget and potentially look at like auxiliary players they could bring in because of like covid right right we've seen like liverpool um you probably had seen Jurgen Klopp he went on the vaccine uh rants about mm-hmm. he thinks it's ridiculous that certain players haven't done it and how teams haven't made sure uh their players and staff aren't 100% vaccinated uh liverpool is 100% vaccinated and then they had uh four or five asymptomatic cases so like henderson tiago uh fabinho van dyke i think one other player missed the game against tottenham and like we were lucky uh not to lose to tottenham so it's like i wonder like how much that planning goes in it's like uh with a lot of these variants that are showing up it seems that you can still get it and i don't know if the footballing leagues in europe are going to take the same approach as the nfl where it's my understanding they look at uh uh, something to do with viral load, but I guess if they're vaccinated and not not having any symptoms, they I don't think they test those players. I don't know if we're going to see a shift like that. That's up to those governing bodies. But like Chuck, if you get that sort of question, like uh, do they when they're looking at squad planning, do they look at those auxiliary options that say, hey, like any given week we could have like five to six players yeah. unavailable or something like that, and you know it doesn't matter if it's against Borussia Dortmund or against VfL uh, Bochum, like you've got to you've got to get the job done with what you have available.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's one of those things where I'm sure that the clubs are planning for it, but I'm also a hundred percent sure that they do not want to extend their budgets to have to carry more world-class type players. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Obvi- obviously it's not going to be like a <laughs> Zakaria or someone yeah.
1: of that stature. We're talking but- Lower, lower ballpark of uh, wages and transfers, right? I mean, I would
0: hope at some point, like if Byron had a midfield crisis, they would call up Taylor Booth and give him a chance or Torben Ryan, just because those have been the two most heralded midfielders. But I guess. Hopefully we never have to see that scenario. And this
1: is all just a ploy for them to uh get me yeah. my license and get me over yeah. there so I can uh <laughs> you know, you know uh go play a couple matches for Bayern. That
0: would be that would be a classic moment for BFW. <laughs> we would have officially made it then. The last couple of names I'll just quickly blot out. Ricardo Pepe, we know that Wolfsburg is is essentially the leader in the clubhouse to sign him. So I think that that's probably going to happen. Even if Bayern makes a late charge, I think that That's going to go down and Tom, the craziest rumor, then this just broke and it's probably nonsense, but Julian Nagelsmann is supposedly a huge fan of Manchester United's Donny van de Beek. So again, why would that guy want to come to Bayern Munich and face another situation where he's probably not going to play? I don't know. I don't get it,
1: but that's, (laughs) uh, man, I would. I would just joke and say, hey, maybe his chances would be better since in the Bundesliga, you can do five subs instead of only three.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's honestly. And I feel bad
1: for him. Even yeah. even as a Liverpool fan, I hate Manchester United. I, I do feel bad for him. You know, all the clips of him throwing his chewing gum, his uh, his warm-up jumpers off after a third sub has been made and he realizes he's not going on. Uh, I, I Yeah, I, I do feel bad. But hopefully maybe with uh, Ranić being there, he might get some more minutes. Hasn't very much... So been the case thus far. I know they did just have a COVID outbreak. They had to train. They had to uh, excuse me close Carrington, uh, their training ground for for several days, which Rodnik was complaining about. But um, yeah, I don't realistically see this at Bayern. No. But for yeah. I mean, for Pete's sake, I hope that guy winds up somewhere, whether somewhere, it's still at yeah. Man U or somewhere else, <laughs> where he gets he gets minutes and he can showcase his
0: abilities. Yeah, he needs a change of scenery for sure. Uh, you know, the other, I don't know if this is even big news, but. Uh, Niko Kovac at Monaco. Uh, I haven't seen it officially announced yet, but a lot of reports are indicating that he's about to be sacked. And the initial stories we saw indicated that he had lost the locker room, which we reported on. And it seemed kind of fishy because if you've seen the videos of him celebrating with the team last year and you, like, I don't follow them closely, but I follow enough to to read his quotes after games and just to, you know, to stay in touch with that whole scene because we do cover the alumni. And I, I never got the impression there was this mass unhappiness with the roster at Monaco. So that didn't that didn't really strike me as, as being too factual. But then we did see that there is uh kind of an issue with this new sporting director there, where Kovach is not really aligned with much that the new sporting director wants to do. So with that, now we're seeing that that could be the reason why Kovac is on his way out the door. And while, you know, we do focus on the alumni, this is important for Alexander Neubel as well, because Kovac was a big proponent of Neubel. And Neubel is getting a lot of playing time. But if you read the French media, they're not overly thrilled with his performance. So if Kovach is sacked and if that becomes official and it could be official right now. And I haven't seen it yet. Um,
1: yeah. I was just going to say, I think, uh, L'Equipe and uh, RMC sport two big tabloids. I've seen it both, uh, confirmed pretty much on, on both of those places. I think it's pretty much as good as done at this point. And then they're even trying to say Jesse Marsh has a sniff. Of, yeah. yeah uh, that, replacing that, him, which would just be crazy. This whole would be inter- crazy. interconnected web of, uh, Bundesliga and former Bundesliga managers, like musical chairs.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's something for us to keep an eye on. If you're a Bayern fan, obviously you've been following Manuel Neuer being excellent, you know, and doesn't look like he's slowing down. Neubel, I think, is going to have to move on after this season just because, I mean, it, I, one, I don't think Monaco is going to keep him for the second year of the loan. And I think he has no intention of being a backup to Manuel Neuer. Well, so, and how
1: interesting that could get too because Torben Hoffman is, is doing quite well at Sunderland yeah. as well.
0: I did, I saw him play in Philadelphia when when Byron played Juventus. So I can say I was there early on with the, uh,
1: you knew, uh, the you non
0: Torben Hoffman train.
1: <laughs> so it's like, Chuck, we had this uh, whole goalkeeper's web, right? with uh, and his <laughs> agent, um, Bax, is it Alexander Bax? Or yep. Stefan Bax, Bax. Yep. Bax, right? How I remember this, but well, <laughs> just maybe re- writing so many articles, but it's like pressing for a move, like forcing the issue um and then Larice Carius was even linked to come in and be a backup to Manuel Noir. then we finally get Zven Ulrich back now Chuck, like refresh my memory was it was it Christian Freuchtel who was really pissed about not playing and was very vocal about it, or was it somebody else so uh, and then like he, he forced he forced alone somewhere and then hardly played. Yes, uh, that I was think fru- he's back back with the reserves. Yeah. And, and, so- and so like it's this whole web of keepers trying to get more minutes. And now potentially uh with Hoffman doing well, uh if playing with the reserves and Nuble doing well, presumably he won't get dropped by whoever takes over for Monaco. If they don't get their loans extended, uh Hoffman and New Bowl, that is, they're all going to come back and wind up in the same spot. Mess. See, hey, Neuer's just <laughs> going to be, a, hey, welcome back, boys. There's the bench. The,
0: the exactly. only one that's playing this all right, aside of Neuer, because he is the best to ever do it, is all right, because he just sits back. He collects a nice paycheck. He has to <laughs> practice. He works out, keeps himself in shape. And then he just gets to hang out and watch games. He's right on the sideline. It's great. That is a great life. I mean that guy. He is like yeah. the prototypical backup quarterback in the NFL. Looks good. Doesn't have to do much work. Has a great living, <laughs> awesome life.
1: He is the he
0: is the winner in all of this, Tom. It's not Neuer. It's not Nouvel. <laughs> it's definitely Sven Allrich.
1: The better question is: Is he on holiday right now, and where is he? <laughs> <laughs>
0: he does. He, he can do whatever he wants. He can go on holiday next week, Tom, because they're not going to need him anyway <laughs> at this point. <laughs> um, so with that. Tom, you and I are going to venture into something that I know that we are both huge fans of. And the season just ended of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Uh, Tom, what did you think? Because I was 100% satisfied with the season. I thought it was great, but I always feel like Curb is great. I, I honestly, like I had so many laugh out loud moments just watching the show. I mean, what was your impression of the season of Curb?
1: hilarious hilarious and this show what amazes me about this show is how much i get out of the simplicities and those little nuances that just like make me laugh so much that is a big part of the reason obviously of what so many people loved about seinfeld uh back in the day obviously for those who don't know for whatever reason larry david was a writer of that show and he plays himself uh in kirby enthusiasm he's the main character but it's even a little bit sentimental to me like i wasn't as much into the earlier seasons uh, what was this season 11? I think then, so. Well, I think it is, too. And then season 10, it was like just in its midst when COVID first broke mm-hmm. out. <laughs> and I vividly remember um, the day they announced like gyms had to close. And I came home that night and my parents were watching it and they got me like really into it. And so that was something we all enjoyed together. And then I was able to go back and watch the previous episodes of that season on demand. Just hilarious. The back and forth, like I I tell you on Slack, I'm like, Chuck, did you watch it? Did you watch it? (laughs) Uh, Like the back and forth between uh, Larry and Leon, I think is like absolutely hilarious about how Leon is always teaching him about these like little uh, (laughs) nuances about people in his age bracket. And, you know, Larry's adapting to it. Like, I just find it so hilarious. One of my favorite things is like uh, Jeff, you know, he wants to get his wife that that expensive boss. from the store and then the bill Hader plays all those like yeah. Eastern <laughs> european dudes like didn't you weren't you just the guy from this restaurant it was like a a goulash restaurant a uh, a hotel um consigliere whatever not uh is that what you call it what is the, like, the consigliere
0: is in the mob
1: <laughs> no yeah yeah yeah. what, what am now i i'm drawing
0: for? a blank tom
1: oh my god Uh, concierge concierge
0: Concierge. yes we're both idiots because we (laughs) it's probably too late to be recording this podcast if we can't think of concierge yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah. no bill Hader's character was not in the mafia i I can (laughs) can assure you that but like bill Hader played a bunch of these random eastern european dudes they uh you know larry and jeff thought it was the same person and uh (laughs) larry i think he offers to uh, buy a new vase because he winds up uh breaking the new the uh, expensive one that they wind up buying and they have this whole little bit about uh, indecent gestures. And he's like, oh, you're supposed to say, like, I don't have to pay for it. I just offered to pay for it as an indecent gesture. No one ever accepts the indecent gesture, right? It's like inviting someone somewhere just to be nice, even though you really don't want them to come. And, you know, they probably don't want to come when they <laughs> accept you. You're just like, oh, crap, they've actually accepted. I thought that was hilarious a little bit about indecent yeah. gestures yeah. and then the uh, the back and forth about that. The byplay play uh, between. And the then the, uh, oh, great. my God the best one. And I was thinking about it when we had a family Christmas dinner is like, it's like, you got to have the right person in the middle seat to carry the <laughs> conversation. And Larry's just like, the, they had the one boring friend. Is like, you're not a middle seater. You're yeah. not a middle seater. Get out of the middle seat. That, that is hilarious too. So yeah. Overall fantastic season, Chuck. I was laughing quite a bit. Yeah. I
0: mean, like I could, I could just listen to the characters go back and forth the entire time. It's so uncomfortably funny and good uh you know i know it's not for everybody but you and i have the same warped sense of humor so we enjoy it so if you're a curb fan and maybe you didn't catch this season go back i guarantee you'll rip through it because it was so funny you'll want to keep watching it uh tom and i definitely couldn't recommend it any more than we are right now it it was it was fantastic so on that note we will wrap this one up and close the show down uh always as always we appreciate every download you you guys uh, give us to, uh, listen to the show, uh, you know, please support all of the shows on our Bavarian podcast works network. Uh, I think that all of the hosts have been great and offer a lot of different opinions, which is nice. I don't think any of us really agree too much on anything, but even when we have a little bit of discourse, it's always done in a classy way. Cause you know, we're all about class here. So, um, <laughs> thanks again for listening you can get me at the barrel blog you can get tom at tommyadams71 you can get our site account which tom runs he is the best in the business at running a team site account if i would put tom's job doing that for bfw up against anyone he's just that good at it so you can get us at bavarian fb works you can get i need no name at bfwinnn and you can always get jake at Jefferson Fenner, though we haven't seen Jake in a while, so we might have to put out a missing person's report on him uh, (laughs) see if we can wrap him back into
1: this. So thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time.